a moment in time to get your start looking inward. See what you like on the inside. I know what you look like on the outside. I'm looking at you. I can't see those of you who are online, but I got to believe if I saw you, I know what you look like on the inside. But Jesus said this thing is deeper than what you look like on the outside. Something got to take place in your going to challenge your heart to live in a way that he wants you to live. So we start off in chapter 5 with what is commonly referred to as the beatitude. Somebody said beatitude. You know, this is where Jesus pronounced some of those blessings that we just got through singing about. You know, you blessed. And, you know, in here when he started talking about blessed, he just saying that you're favored by God. There are certain things that you can do in your life and in your conduct and in your character that allow you to be favored by God. So therefore, from this passage of scripture, we're going to see that conduct and character plays a big part of your being in a blessed relationship with God in his kingdom. You know, someone once said, your attitude describes you. I remember that was in a song back in the day. And I believe that they must have understood what Jesus said. Because these are called the B. So if you possess these attitudes, you ought to live a certain way. You ought to do a certain thing all because they describe who you When I was in the military, they used to tell us, you know, uh, your attitude determines your altitude. The reason some of y'all can't go no higher, you need to check your attitude. You need to check how you display your feelings, your thoughts, your disposition, your opinions, and your emotional temperament. Because the reason you may be at a plateau, you need to check you. He talked about the B attitudes. They present a code of ethics and standards that Christ's followers are to apply in their daily life. So some of the language in this sound very po poetic in nature, but you know poets write words to paint pictures, and they paint the pictures in your heart so that you would carry out what you are hearing and what you are receiving in your heart. You know, I could stand here right now and say, you know, I want to get me uh, a brand new car. And you know, I've been looking at, uh, you know, just for the sake of it, a Mercedes 500 SEL. Well, some of y'all, just those words to paint a picture in your mind. I could have said, I want a Yugo. That should have painted a picture in your mind. So what I want you to do today is see in these beatitudes that Jesus is trying to paint a picture in your mind, in your heart. Because if I can paint this picture on the canvas of your heart, it may change your conduct and your Help me out, Brother Anthony. You're right there with me. Is it all right if I read what Jesus said? He said, then he opened his mouth and talked. Somebody say, talk. He didn't hoop and holler right here. He was teaching. There's a time to get excited in the hoop and the holler, but when you want people to learn something, you got to teach them. So he opened his mouth and talked the multitudes. Now, you know, he was sitting on a mountain. I'm in verse 2 uh, right now. They were sitting on a mountain, and this lesson was primarily aimed at Jesus' disciples, his, his true followers, the one he had called. But because of what he had been doing, a whole lot of folk heard the message. So just by being in his presence, they heard what he was teaching his disciples. He was trying to teach his disciples how to carry out the assignment that they was going to be given. But at the same time, he was speaking to the hearts and minds of the people that gathered around to hear him. And again, this was a mixed crowd. Sitting on a mountaintop, he sat down and he opened his mouth in verse 2 and, and he talked, saying, here's the first one, bless, somebody say bless. That word bless just means happy to be uh, 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 favored by God and also mean to be happy. Some of your Bibles say happy, you know. So, so you're in a blessed state and it's letting you know that God wants you to be in his kingdom in a blessed state. Now look what he says about this, blessed are the poor in spirit. He ain't got nothing to do with your income. Got something to do with your spirit. He said, bless. Now, when my spirit is poor, here he's saying, Keisha, you are blessed when you understand how wretched and undone you was before you met Jesus. Because your spirit is poor, your spirit is grieved, you understand that without him, you can't do nothing. 
Apart from him, you're not the person that you ought to be. So he's saying, look, when your spirit is poor, you can come to him with that spirit of humility. You are. Then he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4, he says, blessed are those who mourn. Let me pause right there because here he was not at a funeral service. So the word mourn here is not talking about crying over somebody that's dead. But he's talking about crying over your dead life. The life that you had to give up to come to him. And sometimes when the Lord takes some things from us, certain things die in our life, we cry when we gave up the club. Oh God, what am I going to do with Friday night crying when I gave up cursing? That's all I know to do when folk upset me. I know how to curse them out. Crying when I gave up gambling because, man, that's my passion. That's my pastime. I don't go to football games no more. Lord, just let me keep gambling. It's just fun. It's fun. So I was mourning because he was taking some things from me. But look what he said. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be confident. In other words, hey, when you give up something, I got something for you. But you got to be willing to trust me and give it up and believe I can comfort you with a new way of doing it. Oh, y'all better hear me today because he's speaking to the heart. He says, blessed are the meek. In other words, he's expecting you to be humble, not elevate yourself above where you ought to be. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You got an inheritance waiting on you based upon how you live in the earth in a meek and humble state. He ain't saying let everybody walk on you. Because meekness does not mean weakness. Meekness means that you got strength and you know how to control it. You got to understand that the power living on the inside of you is greater than what's on the outside of you, but you know how to control the power that you have, so therefore you operate in the spirit of... In other words, he said, if you want to live in God's kingdom, Adrian, you got to know how to be... He's preaching this to his disciples. Now look, he said, blessed are those who hunger... Somebody say hunger... And thirst. See, Jesus used two natural things that we can understand and experience to paint this picture. He's saying, imagine what you'll feel like if you hadn't eaten in about three or four days. Some of y'all feel like that when we don't eat within an hour. But he ain't talking about, he ain't talking about when we miss our hourly snack. You know what I mean? Sometimes there's some people that eat 15 times a day, them little hourly snack. He's saying, look here, suppose somebody took them snacks for you for a, for a week. What would your body feel like when you go through a week without eating? And they say you can't go no more about three days without water. So now this is what the picture he's painting. He says when you hunger and thirst for righteousness like that, God is going to be filled. You're going to be filled. In other words, you're hungry and thirsty to do things right to do things the way God would do them. And when you have a hunger and a desire and a thirst to do things the way God would do it, then he's saying, look, you're going to be So he expects us to live trying to do righteous. Amen. Now this is verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. In other words, you're going to have to learn how to have a forgiving and compassionate heart. You're going to have to learn how to be generous when God bless you. He said, because you understand what you do for others will be done for you. So when you are merciful, you're going to obtain mercy. And if you always remember where God brought you from and how much mercy he showed you, Jesus said, you are my followers now. Don't forget where you come from. Don't forget what I found you doing. Don't forget that. Remember the mercy that I showed on you. Now I'm expecting you to show that same Mercy. He was preaching. I'm pretty sure some of the guys said, man, I ain't, I ain't no merciful guy. That ain't in my DNA. But he's telling you if you want to get in the kingdom, you're going to have to change your DNA. You're going to have to let the Holy Spirit come on the inside of you and work on your heart and on your mind and on your soul so that you can live like God wants you to. Uh, then this one here, he, he got me on because he says, blessed are the pure in heart. Talking about attitude, what's on the inside of you, that spiritual thing that's on the inside of you. It got to be pure. You can't operate in the kingdom of God with no defiled and polluted heart. Your heart, your heart, your mind, your conscience, all that, you got to clean that thing up. I mean, God don't want no rubbish, you know, junk in you. The Holy Spirit can't stay in no stinky house. 
Amen. So if you, now look, this is important. This is one of the most important. He said, blessed are the pure in heart. I believe David understood this in Psalm 51 when he said to God, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Don't banish me from your presence and don't take your holiness. Because he knows that if my heart is not right, there's no room in me for the holy. The reason we can't have good church sometimes, our hearts are not pure. We come in, oh God, y'all better help me today. We come in here and we don't check our heart at the door, so therefore you can't receive what God is trying to pour into you and you can't express it because your heart is all jacked. I'm trying to tell you today, it's a matter of your heart. Your heart got to change. If your heart don't change, I might as well stop reading the rest of this and don't even get to chapter 7. Because you ain't going to receive nothing. You're going to, you go to sit there in amazement and bewildered and befuddled and say, Pfft. I don't know what Jesus is talking about. I ain't ready to do that. But I'm trying to tell you, it starts with your Blessed are the pure in heart. Here's the promise. You'll see God. It went the last time some of you felt like you've seen or heard from God. You know, because you, your heart done got so hard, you can't hear nothing. And I ain't talking about your ears. You hear a lot of noise, but with your heart, you sense and understand who God is and what he's doing for you. All of y'all still got your hearing. You can hear what I'm saying, but if your heart's softened enough and your heart palatable enough for the word of God to sink down into it and give you what God is trying to get you to have. It's a matter of your heart. So while I'm talking right now, let me stay on heart to some of y'all soften it up right now. You need to just go on and give God a little quick, one of those quick prayers. Say, Lord, move on my heart right now. I came in here with bitterness in my heart, envy in my heart, hate in my heart, all kinds of foolishness in my heart right now, God. Because I want to get into your... I want to feel you in the service. I want to sense you in the service. But I can't sense you, God, in my heart. Y'all never take a look at your inside. You're like the Pharisees. They always looked how pretty they were on the outside. But Jesus said, look at this thing is about you. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see. Man, I wouldn't go to church if I didn't feel like I could see God. I mean, I wouldn't be online listening to 35 or 40 minutes or an hour if you don't feel like you can see God. Because y'all, you might as well go and eat your, grit, your, your grits and your eggs and, you know, whatever you eating this morning with your, you know, your avocado and cheese, you might, you know, and toast and all that. You might as well go and do it. If your heart is not where we are right now and where God's word is, is right now, you might as well do something else. Jesus said your heart got to be pure. Look at verse 9. This is where the world and a lot of us need to be. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. We got a lot of troublemakers, but they're in the peacemakers. Those who are trying to reconcile others back to God, as well as cut down conflicts and confusion with, between people. God needs us to be peacemakers. Those of you who are married, one of y'all got to be a peacemaker. If you're living in a household with two folk, you know both of y'all can't be war, warriors. Somebody got to be the dove. Want to have a little peace. And I tell people all the time, it takes two fools to fight. You just make sure you don't be one of them. You'll be the peacemaker. But Zontel is hard for Major to fight by himself. You just let him go on off to himself and, and you hold on to your peace. I'm just using an example, Major. I know, you, I know you're the pure and hard type guy, so you and Zontel got it like that. But you know y'all a subject lesson and an object lesson for somebody, Brother David, who ain't got it like that. There's some people listening to me online right now. There's no peace in their house. And I'm here to tell you today, if you want to have peace, you've got to be a peace. And if you're a child of God, he said you're supposed to be a. For they shall be called the sons of God or children of God. Why? Because we carry his DNA. We carry his nature. His nature is about peace, so therefore we can be his children and be children of peace. Then look at this is where he started to confounding them and amazing them, because this is where we don't like this part of being a follower. He says, blessed 
of those who are persecuted. That's what the song was talking about. They talked about me, they lied on me, but I'm still blessed. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For righteousness' sake. It's nothing wrong with rocking the boat for righteousness. It's nothing wrong with coming against what is wrong for righteousness' sake. But realize that when you rock the boat for righteousness' sake, there's going to be some folk in the boat that's going to come against you. There's going to be some people that don't want you to stand up for what's right, don't want you to speak out for what's right, don't want you to look at the news and say, hey, the Spirit of God just showed me that is wrong. Therefore, I got a voice that I need to say something about it. He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes on and says, look here, blessed are you when they revile, that means mock you, and persecuted you. And say all kinds of evil against you. Falsely. Somebody say falsely. See, it's important that you get that word falsely underlined. Because if they say evil against you and it ain't don't lie, you ain't got nothing to be upset about. You ain't getting persecuted. You're getting what you deserve. I mean, there's some things that come with doing wrong. But when you're trying to do right and people come against you and they lie on you to make you look bad, then you ought to be saying, oh! That's something to shout about. They jumping on me all because I'm on the Lord's side. And I'm right and I'm trying to do right and they lying on me. That's okay because I know whose team I am on. He said, say evil against you. Y'all don't know what folks can do to you. You know, some of y'all get some evil comments on y'all pages out there. Y'all go back and start talking about how blessed you are in the corner of these things right here. And just see what your evil friends going to line up at. Because everybody that's following you ain't with you. So you need to find out who your true followers. I know some of y'all got fan clubs out there. That's okay. You got your followers and y'all brag about I got hundreds of followers. But how many of them are really following you? Or how many of them are just ridiculing you because they think they know you? when you were. So I asked you, just put some stuff out there that would challenge some of your followers. This is what the Lord spoke to my heart today. And he told me I need to do some things that are going to change my attitude, change my spirit, change my heart. And you're going to see, girl, ain't nothing going to change in you. See, that's telling you you need to let that one go. Unfriend them right now. Click. Gone. Just, just let them go. You don't want him. Then I know you're going to mourn. <laughs> but she was one of my best friends. My best gone. The minute you get rid of them, somebody else going to pop right in that window. Girl, I agree with you. I'm, try, I'm struggling trying to get the Lord to work on my heart too. And I thank you for putting your testimony out there to bless me and to bless somebody. So don't worry about the folk that are going to persecute you and leave you. You just do what the Lord told you. <laughs> and look here, Jesus must have lost his mind. Here in verse 12, he says, rejoice and be not just glad, but exceedingly glad. He said, look, now, Keisha, Jesse, Mom, we're supposed to be exceedingly glad when folk talk about us. <laughs> we're supposed to be exceedingly glad. We're supposed to get our dance on. We're supposed to get our hallelujah on. They're talking about me. They saying nasty things about me, all because I follow Jesus. Hallelujah! See, someone said, "Man, I, uh, uh, I ain't got time for that dancing and shouting." Well, I'm finna go talk to them. No, no, no. You the peacemaker. You ain't gotta go talk to them. You let your dance. The old you gonna go talk to them, and we are gonna end up in war. But your dance will turn them right off. Y'all just got to know that Jesus was talking to followers now. And I hope I'm talking to people who want to be followers of Jesus because he is not saying these things in his first sermon just to be saying them. He painted a picture in their heart and said, hey, this is what I expect of you as a follower. So in verse 12, it says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. They prosecuted the prophets who were before you. Say, look here, you ain't good company. But get this. Let me show you something. When this was preached, they didn't have what we have. They couldn't read ahead and see what was going to happen. They only were dealing with right now. We're dealing with what has happened. And so therefore, we can say we got more than the prophets because we know what he did. 
We, we know the rest of the story. They don't know the rest of the story. When they get in this preaching, they standing there in bewilderment saying, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? We don't have to be amazed. Hey, he done already died for us. He done already been persecuted for us. He is our example. Now, I don't need to look back for Elijah or Isaiah or Jeremiah. I got Jesus. I got something that they don't have. We got something they don't have. We got the whole word of God. They was only getting it in bits and pieces right now. So their challenge was a lot greater than ours. We got it right here on our phones, on our apps, on our computers, in our hands. We got to read this thing and live this thing in our daily life because we should be better than they were. They didn't have what we. Use all this technology to your advantage. But I just want to see some of y'all jump and shout when somebody starts talking about y'all. When someone says some bad stuff about you, I want to see you give one of them hallelujah testimony. Oh, my God, one of my friends called me today and just talked about me like a dog. Oh, man, I just shouted. I mean, I started dancing, and I started singing to God. I say, thank you, Lord, for letting me be counted worthy for someone to talk about me because I'm serving you. They ain't talking about me because I'm doing other things, and they talk about me for taking somebody hugs when they write. They got a right to talk about me. And I'm going to accept that. But they talking about me because I'm trying to live righteous. I'm trying to live holy. I'm trying to do what God wants me to do. Celebration time. Celebration time. Some of y'all are going to get an opportunity to testify to that this week. And when it come up, you need to celebrate. You need to say, thank you, Jesus, for letting me be persecuted for trying to follow you. He was trying to change their mindset. Those are the type of things that he said that people said, huh? Huh? Things that you say to make people want to go, hmm. Because he really mean he's going to say some other things here next week. I ain't got time to get to the day when he's going to get inside your head. Say, man, if you just think about that thing, you ain't got to go out there and sleep with nobody. You just think about it. They thought that, hey, I got to go out there and commit the act. And I'm wrong. Jesus said, look at Major, if you just. That's next week. Don't let me get too far. Let me go and finish this week. So let's go to. 5, 13 through 16. 5, 13 through 16. In these verses, Jesus used metaphorical language to describe the influences and witness that his disciples are to bear in the world. They were to be salt in a dreary world, and they were to be light in darkness. If we possess and display the qualities that he identified in the Beatitudes, you're going to be this automatically. You ain't going to have no problem being salt and light if you do those things he just taught them in the Beatitudes. Because people are going to see you as salt and light. The problem we have, we can't be salt and light because we ain't got the Beatitudes right. We think we're going to just jump up and be light when we still got darkness all over us. So we get the Beatitudes right, and then now he say, once you get those, Finley, I expect you to be salt and light. Look at this, verse 13, chapter 5. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But then he come back with this finger in your eye. He said, what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Salt serves the purpose. And, and so if salt, you're supposed to draw people to God. Because of your attitude, your positive experiences, you're supposed to draw people to God. And he said, look, if you can't draw nobody to me, what good are I call you to draw people to me. And if you can't do that, you lack salt that is good for nothing but to be trampled. Look here. You sitting here today and those of you online, you don't want to be trampled under somebody's feet. You're supposed to be salt. You're supposed to influence and you're supposed to change the flavor of stuff. You know, there are a lot of things that change the flavor of stuff, but man, too much salt to just mess your mouth up. You know, you taste something and you got just too much, sometimes too much sugar, but ain't the salt just lips, you know, salt, too much salt just make you. you know I mean, you just dry, you just, mm. You know, a little sugar make you smile. It's too much, but you don't go, mm. So Jesus said, look here, sometimes your influence, man, got to pucker some folks up. You salty. 
You put Euphrates in that salt, they put me changing. You preserving them. They ain't going to like that. They ain't going to like that. But you got to still sprinkle a little salt on them. You got to be that salt so that when they need to know who Jesus is and how he would act in the situation, they can't see him, they see. He says, can, it, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled under the feet as worthless. None of you are here today are worthless. I think God has placed value in all of you because Jesus died for you. You just need to shake your salt shake up a little bit. Salt is in you. You just didn't let it settle down. You know when salt gets settled to it, you have to break it up. Some of y'all just don't settle down on Jesus and your salt just sitting there. You know sometimes, Sister Beth, when you pick that shake up, you have to tap it, tap, 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 shake it up. So, so God got some of y'all in here so I can just tap, 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 tap. Say, get up. Know who you are in the Lord. You are salt. You're supposed to be sprinkled on something. Get out there and start seasoning this world that you live in. Start with your page online. Start with your Instagram. Start with your Twitter account. Put some salt in your account. Let people see the salt of God in your life. That's your influence. You're supposed to be able to influence. He didn't say don't go around, folk. He said influence them. You can't influence them if you don't go around them. So don't run away from darkness. You go in the darkness because you're the light. You change the atmosphere because you're the salt. Look at verse 14. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Jesus called you to shine, not to hide. Everybody in your circle of influence, Everybody, like they say, they're not here, but tell me they orbit. You know, who's in your orbit? I mean, I had to go look up at this modern language teacher. They just changing words around and mean new stuff, and I had to go look them up. They keep me in the dictionary. I don't know why could they just say circle of influence. Why they got to go orbit? They sound like they new and all high orbit. Well, okay, for those of you folks who got orbits out there, look around and see who's circling around you. Look and see all the little planets that are going around you. And what influence do you have on the little planets that are going around you? Are they pulling you out of your zone? Or are you pulling them to that? So y'all go out there and do an orbit check. See how much influence you got on the folk in your orbit. See what they do based upon what you say. If you're going to be in that orbit, influence the orbit that you're in. Be the salt. Be the light. Don't hide and turn your light off when you get into your little orbit of friends. Let your light so shine before them in your orbit so that they can see Jesus through you. He says, you are the light of the world. And he said he used a simile like a city on a hilltop that cannot be here. Man, if these, these principles and these beatitudes live in you, Finley, you can't hide. No matter how you try to hide, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb because you're displaying a character and a nature that some people ain't going to understand, and it's going to make you stand out, and they're going to want to know why. And when they ask you why, that's when you talk about Jesus and tell them about the kingdom of God. He said you cannot be hidden. So the only way you can be hidden is you just turn your light off. So I submit to you, when you go and hang out with your friends that you're still hanging on to, clinging on to, keep your light on. Be a testimony. Be a witness to them. Don't, don't stop hanging with them right now until God tell you to. Because you may need to pull some of them out of that foolishness. But so when you go around them, you carry yourself in accordance with the beatitude, and they're going to say, oh, here comes Finley. We, we know what they expect when he show up. Certain things, you know, we just ain't going to do. You know, we, we, he like us, we like him, but we respect him for who he is because, you know, after all, he's in our orbit and we're in his orbit, so we know in his orbit he don't like this. You know, we do other things. We got other interests together, but in certain time we doing those other interests, he don't like this. So because he don't like this, I ain't going to do this in front of him. That's when you know you got influence. When your friends that know you don't stop cussing, and they cuss in front of you, and they say, oops, I'm sorry. You got influence. They just keep on cussing. You ain't got no influence. You part of their orbit. They ain't part of your orbit. You part of theirs. They see you as one of them. 
They just cuss over you, talk about their wife over you, talk about all this stuff over you, then, and you ain't got no, making no difference. In order to make a difference, you got to be different. We too much like the folk we orbit with. Especially if we orbit with ungodly folk. Uh, I know y'all weren't going to lie. Jesus is talking about this. This ain't Pastor Bowen. This is Jesus. This, all this is in red. So he says now, no one set a lamp, a light, lights a lamp, and then put it on the basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand so it can be seen, where it can give light to everyone in the house. Everybody in your orbit should be influenced by the light that's on the inside of you. And that light is Jesus. It ain't about you. It's all about him. So in verse 16, say, in the same way, let your look good deed shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise or glorify your heavenly Father. So when we do these good things in our orbit, we ain't doing them to bring attention to ourselves. We're doing them to bring attention to God. So when the attention comes to me, I got to reflect the light back to Jesus and back, back to God and say, hey, the only reason I can do this is because I know who I am, because I know I'm the poor in spirit, and I know what he's done for me. I'm merciful. I understand the relationship that I have with I know how to get in his presence because my heart is right. This is not about me. It's all about him. He changed me from the inside out, and because I've been changed from the inside out, you see the new creation. You don't see the old. If I talk about the old me, it's only to testify to you to say how good and how merciful he has been to me. So Jesus is challenging you, let your light so shine so that God will be glorified and not you. Now, I'm not going to get to all the verses from 17 to 48, so we'll catch most of those next week. But he transitioned in 17 through 48 in chapter 5 and started teaching about the relationship of this new righteousness that he's going to talk about to the Mosaic law. And he breaks this up into several little powerful teaching, powerful bites that we're going to take a look at next week. You know, he talks about, you know, adultery in your heart and talk about, he, you know, he really going to say some things that astonish us when he say about marriage. I mean, he say, look, you know, this thing y'all play out all the time in the public, divorce, divorce, and divorce. That was never God's plan. God wanted that thing to be a one-off. But now if you're on the third one, that's okay. Stay there. Repent and stay there. Amen. Because he's going to he, he forgive you for that. But originally he intended you to stay with him. Let me, that's next week. That's next week. I don't want to get y'all excited because I can see some of those folks out there. I told you, it's a design to astonish you. The teaching is supposed to astonish you. Some of you are just going to upset. Amen. Now, verse 17 through 20, in these verses, after teaching the qualities of, of character in the Beatitudes and then challenging them to be the salt and light, some may have thought that Jesus came solely to destroy the Mosaic law. Now, there was nothing wrong with the moral laws or the moral codes of the word, meaning thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, commit adultery, Bear false witness. That wasn't nothing wrong with those things still good today. Jesus just said, if you do these and then you do this, you know, if you love the Lord thy God with all our heart, spirit, soul, mind, and body, and then love your neighbors yourself, you cover all them. So he ain't come to just change that. We got we know he rewrote that a little bit, but he ain't changed, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery. That was a good thing. Amen. That's how you say you're married. Amen. You can't, you, you, you can't. Save your marriage, commit adultery. So that's a good law. The law reveals sins to us. That's a good law. You, you, you know, thou should not steal. That's a good law. You can't go through life stealing. Ain't nothing wrong with that law. So but what happened was, by the time Jesus came on the scene, the Pharisees and religious leaders had added hundreds of confusing laws and rules and rituals that they themselves were not even keeping. That's why when we close this real quick, we're going to take a quick look at chapter 23, just a brief look, because we are privy to why Jesus talked to these rascals when he was upset with them, when they was around acting all sanctimonious and holy and professing to be one thing, but their lifestyle did not line up with what they were professing. 
In other words, they were the evil example. So here he just makes an introduction to the Pharisees and their teaching and the religious leaders, but later on, he hit them right in the face. These folk didn't, wasn't privy to him hitting them in the face right now. But you're going to be privy to it here in a few minutes. If they had been privy to it when he was preaching it, they probably would have started shouting and dancing when he started hitting them in the face. But since they weren't privy, they had to take this in and wait till it unfold before them. So this is what he said to them in verse 17. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. Don't get it twisted, I guess, that they would be telling the day Jesus look at I know y'all done heard a lot of things about me. I came, I did this, I done turned miracles, I done healed, da-da-da. But hey, don't misunderstand why I've come. I came more than just to heal and do some miracles. My assignment is bigger than that. So don't, don't misunderstand why I have come. He says, I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophet. I didn't come to tell you not to kill and not to steal and all that. I didn't come to abolish that. I came to accomplish their purpose. I came to show you that you could live and not do those things because y'all been trying to do them all these years, but y'all ain't been able to do it. Y'all still killing, y'all still lying, you're still committing adultery, you're still doing all those things, breaking law. And I came to be an example to show you that you can live those things and not sin. But if you have been sinning, I came to give you a way back. Came to give you a way back to God in spite of your sin in spite of your breaking those law. He said, so I, I got a purpose when I came here. And then he says, I tell you the truth, verse 18, until heaven and earth disappears, not even the smallest details of God's law will disappear until its purpose, until its purpose, until its purpose is achieved. When I finish my assignment and achieve what I have come to do, there's not going to be some changes in the law because I'm going to transition from law to this thing called grace, and you need to understand, they weren't privy to that right here, but you know that now. You know that he didn't rewrite everything. He just changed some things, superseded it, and put grace in place that we could get back to God, not by our own doing, but by God giving us his grace and his mercy and extending it to, help, to us, and by faith we accepted Jesus Christ, now we have a way back to God. Because none of us can keep all that thou shalt not all the time. Even right now, even in your saved state, your mind, if your heart ain't right, some of them thou shalt nots will bite you. That's why folks don't like you talk about the thou shalt not lie. Because when you say that, they're going to... As I'm standing up here speaking, I don't even know why I went there, Major, but I know lying is one of those sins that we shade as Christians. We lie and then try to clean it up. Little white one. No, it's a lie. If it ain't the truth, it's a So when the Holy Spirit say, you just lied, you're supposed to repent and get that thing right. You ain't supposed to ignore it and keep on going like, it's okay, God, no, no, no. Why? Because now your heart is out of place and you're not going to be able to get back into the presence of God because you're walking around with all them lies in your heart. So he said, I didn't, I didn't come to upset at all, but the day is coming when I achieve my purpose, some things going to change. So now look at this. So if you ignore the least commandment, and then here's the critical part, man. Some of us, man, look, if y'all follow Jesus, if you're going to go crazy, don't teach others to go crazy. I mean, go on crazy by yourself. <laughs> Don't make everybody in your orbit go down with you. And if you're just going to go out there and go off, just go on by yourself. Don't teach other folk to do that. Now, he's talking specifically to us preachers and teachers of the law. We got to be an example for the people that we teach. I know it's hard. But if we can't live our own teaching, we need to stop teaching. Now look at this. He says, let me read verse 19 again. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom. But if anyone obeys God's law and teach them, they will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So look, you got a choice. You can either read this word 
take Jesus' word and start living with a pure heart, start being humble, start doing those things, and teach those things to others, or you can just let it bounce off you like water off a duck's back and keep on going and teach folk to do what you do. Because either way, you're going to be teaching somebody in your orbit something. And I just want you to be teaching them righteousness, the Beatitudes. Because if you teach them the Beatitudes, then you will be salt and light, and then God will say you will be great in the kingdom because you are teaching others to do righteousness. I, I know Jesus was teaching. I told you, he's teaching. Now, this was a teaching message. This ain't at the end of the message, the pastor's going to sing a song, get y'all happy. This teaching. This is one I got to work hard to keep y'all from going to sleep. Because when you go to sleep, you miss a part of the lesson that's going to be on the test. So that's why I have to every now and then walk to you and talk at you and, and, and you know, change my mode and my mannerism and have pitch in my voice, go up and down, because I don't want you to go to Because I'm teaching. <laughs> I ain't preaching. <laughs> if I was preaching, I'd just stop right there and just fall for a few minutes and say, hey, the Lord said, you got to put these attitudes in your heart. And I just stay at your heart for all the rest of the sermon and talk to your heart. Till your heart tell you you need to dance just for the law right about now. You need to shout because shouting is in your heart, Keisha. But I want you to shout because you know what the words say and you're happy because the word has touched your heart. And now when you really get a true revelation, you can shout without me prompting you to. And we got to teach this to other folks. If we want to be great in God's kingdom, we got to teach it to other folks. Now look at verse 20, last verse. Before we finish, I'm going to go to chapter 23 for a brief moment. He says, but I warn you. Well, now when Jesus gives you a warning, you need to pay attention. But look at this. Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now look here. Those of you who are Bible students know that's a low bar. You ain't got to do too much to be better than a Pharisee. That's a low bar. It ain't like Jesus said to Bob here, you know, <laughs> that you can't reach a candle. He didn't set it so high. He said that all you got to do is be better than them self-seeking, self-righteous Pharisees. All you got to do is be better than them guys who walk around with them big robes on, bars on their arm, collars and stuff down the hill, all around their neck and ain't leaving that, living that. You just got to be better than them. You ain't got to be better than me. You just got to be better than And if your righteousness exceeds their righteousness, you're going to be great in the... That's a low bar. We should be able to exceed that and be great in God's kingdom because the example that he give us to be better than, them guys will low down. Don't turn there, but y'all need to go and read this for homework, and I'm done. Matthew 23, because the readers didn't have this, but I have this, so the Spirit told me to go there and just show what Jesus said to these folk when he go beyond criticizing them and calling them out, and he started teaching about them. In chapter 23, I'm just going to read a couple of verses, probably the first six real quick and shut it up. He said, now, in Matthew 23, he said, Jesus said to the crowd and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of Moses' law. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. Because they don't practice what they teach. He says you can learn from a bad, low-down, wife-cheating-on preacher. You can learn from when he get up there and open that Bible up and start reading Matthew 5 and reading and talking about Jesus, you can learn from that rascal. But when he come off the stage, when he finish up, he gives a benediction, don't look at nothing he do, because everything he told you, he ain't going to do none of it him. That's a low bar. Man, if you was in a church where all the pastor did was come in and preach a good word to you and then go out there and whore around and go out and get drunk and do all that, that's a low. Pastor cheating on his wife, doing all kind of crazy stuff, you know, just doing all that, that's a low. The bar is when you got an example before you that's trying to live like 
But Jesus said, look, just look at the Pharisees. And if you can exceed their righteousness, you're going to be great in the... Look at what they said. I ain't going to read all, 20, all of chapter 23 because, man, he really hit them hard. Because he said they go into old women's houses and go in and just, just manipulate, take advantage of them. They, I mean, these guys were low down. Men of the cloth. They had on the garb on first Sunday. You know, on first Sunday, we look kind of religious and righteous. Look at me. I'm the righteous man of God. And so if you are measuring my righteousness based upon what I'm wearing, you don't see my heart. And so I can cover up my heart with this collar, and y'all say, ooh, Pastor Bo, oh, my God. He is, this is my God, but then you ain't look behind the curtain. And see what the wizard is really like. You don't know what's in his heart. Because he know how to play the role when he's on the stage. On the stage, he know how to be Pastor Bowden. Got my collar on. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap if you will. Glory to his name. I feel my help coming on. <laughs> So Jesus say, you can obey their words and what they tell you to do, but don't follow their example. For they practice, they don't practice what they teach. Look here what he said. They crush people with impossible religious demands and they never lift up a finger to ease the burden. They put all them weights on the back of people and the very thing they put on the back of people, they out there doing themselves. Telling folk, don't go to the club. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, when I looked at the Aretha Franklin story, that thing blew my mind. I ain't no CL was like that. He was a man of cloth. Now he's gone now, but I'm just, they, this is a story I can talk about it on the TV. It shocked me because all I heard coming up, man, CL playing, that boy was saying, you know, he done preached some sermon. That was some sermon this dude preached that's still popular to this day. Man of God. Powerful words. People loved him. They loved him. Man. I, I, that hurt me when I saw that in the movie. Hurt me. So he ain't by himself. There's preachers today who treat their wives like dogs, cheating on their wives, hanging out at the club, drinking just as much as everybody else drinking. And then on Sunday morning, get up there and preach a powerful word. People hanging out the rafters. And Jesus said, hey, do what he just told you to do. But when he get through, don't do nothing else he do after that. Because he finna go out there and find him a woman. <laughs> Look at verse 5. He says, everything they do is for show. Man, don't serve God for show. Serve him with a pure heart. And then look at it. They say, on their arms. They wear extra wide prayer boxes. They used to wear things to let them know that you pray, and you put the prayers in them and hang them around your arm. They used to hang them on their forehead, and you know they couldn't even see. Got this big old prayer box like that, like they're real prayer warriors. They, I mean, they look at what? See, I could put all that religious garb on me, and you say, ooh, Pastor Bo, that was an anointed man of God. He got a robe on, got bars on the bottom, got bars on his arm, got a cross and a dove and all that on it. Man, got a collar to go with it. He looked the part, and that's why we get deceived in church, because we look at the outer man and we never see what it is. The outer man can deceive you, but when you see what is in his heart, if it don't line up with God, then you need to know you got to have a better standard of righteousness than what you see. I'm glad we don't do that today. You know, that's what the Jews used to do. They used to get their little prayer boxes hanging around their head and, and put it there so they can see it and put it around their wrist. And it was just to remind them, you don't need a box. You got the Holy Spirit, can wonder. When you get ready to cut the food, the Holy Spirit will say, hey, check, check, hold up. Jesus said, got to be meek right here. Hold it. 
I know you won't say it, but hold it. No, 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 no. Bite it, bite, bite, bite that tongue. Mm. Pinch it a little bit till it hurts. Mm. And believe that God's going to bless you for holding your peace. And I'm done. Look at this. Last thing. He says, they do it all for show. So on their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes and with scriptures, verses inside. And they wear robes with extra, extra long tassels. And they love to sit at the head tables at the banquet. That's why when he taught that parable about when you go in, don't you go find your seat, you let the man in the house seat you. Because some of y'all Christian religious folk, you know, y'all just going to run up to folk's head table and don't know you ain't been invited there. So he said when you go to the banquet and the ball, you go in with a spirit of humility. You know, and if don't nobody tell you to go up front, you sit in the back. But then when the person of the house invites you up to the front table, you can stay there. But when you go sit yourself up there and they come and tap you in your shoulder, Now you're embarrassed because you got to go back to where you should have started from. If you had started at the back, you could have worked your way up to the front when they invited you up there. But you're going to go bogart your way up to the front. No, you ain't pulled them. Your Bible and all this just going up down there. Man, sitting in the front don't make you holy. Folk on the front row cut the food sometimes. So they love the head tables at banquets and they seat in the seats of honor. Ain't nothing wrong with being honored, but make sure that the people who put on the honor told you to sit there. Amen. And the last thing he say, they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplace. They love to be called rabbi. Rabbi. Are you know Pastor Bowden walking down the street in the mall over in the mall, just going, there, oh Pastor, Pastor. Pastor. Oh, here come Pastor. Pastor Bowden, oh, it's you, Pastor Bowden. Oh, and his head gets so big, I be Pastor. I be Pastor, man, I love it. Let me go walk around in the mall with my striving shirt on. And you know, I got, now I just walk around with my little S4P mask on all over the place. Let folks say, oh, who are you, Pastor? Thank you. I, I be Pastor Bowden. Man, when I go out, I hope people don't even recognize me. I don't like holding no long conversation with folks more time. You know, so I try not to be recognized. I don't want, but if they recognize me, I ain't big on no title or nothing like that. That ain't, I hope they recognize me for the character that I am and, and the things that I portray in the community, not because I got a title. There are so many people running after titles that they can't live up. Why wear a title that you may tarnish? If you live the definition of the title, God will make sure that people recognize. And so Jesus was teaching this lesson to his disciples, his followers, trying to get them to understand what he expects from them. So today he just talked about their attitudes, their conduct, and their character, told them that they're supposed to be light, and then he made it clear what his role was when it comes to the law. And he said, hey, if your righteousness exceeds the Pharisees, guess what? You're going to be great in God's kingdom. I got any great people in the house today? Hallelujah. I know you can, I know you can beat the bar of chapter 23. You got the privilege to go home and read that and say, oh, man, if that's what it takes to be righteous, check, 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 check. Because the Spirit of God is keeping me in line, and I can do all those things that he wants me to do right now to be considered a righteous person in his kingdom. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Hallelujah. 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 We got several quick appeals for you before we go into our communion service. My first appeal is for salvation. If you're here and you want to give your life to the Lord, I ask that you just please raise your hand. If you're online today, you can call us at 862-3899 at area code 850. Someone will answer your call. And I pray if this word of God has touched your heart and you felt something tugging at your heart today, make that decision. Give the call. Listen to what the word of God has to say to you further and trust him with your life. I guarantee you, you make that decision and you won't regret it. So if that's you, please call. If you're here and raise your hand, please raise it now. Please raise it now. Please raise it now. My second appeal is if you're looking for a church home, 
If that is you, you're in the house, I ask that you raise your hand. If you're looking for a church home, please raise your hand. See no hands if you're online and this word has blessed you and you're looking for a place where you can be taught the word of God. And the Lord is speaking to your heart by the spirit. Then obey your heart. Give us a call here at the church, 862-3899, and we'll love to invite you into this fellowship to continue your relationship with a holy God. My third appeal is for prayer. If you've got a prayer concern, I just ask that you set your hearts and mind on that right now as I close out this portion of our service with prayer. Set your hearts and minds on the things that God has placed on your heart to pray for. And right now, some of you need to just be in the intercessor's mode. You need to be praying for somebody. I just ask that if God has placed that in your heart that during this moment of time, that you would just lift them up right now to God. Lift whatever concerns you up, whatever cares you have. And even if you just want to give God a praise report in your prayer, you can do that also. We thank God for what he's doing in our lives, and we always want to pray and be in fellowship and communication with a holy God. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and give you thanks today, God. We thank you for Jesus teaching God on the Sermon of the Mount. We thank you for the principles and the, and, the, and the attributes and the things that he is leaving for us to do, God. We thank you, God, for him reminding us who we are in the earth, God. We are to be salt and we are to be light. So, God, let us let our light so shine and let us change the flavor of the atmosphere that we're in, God. God, continue to lead us and guide us by your precious Holy Spirit. And, God, for those who may have some concerns and some requests from you today, God, we say to you, God, hear their cries right now. Whatever their cry is, God, you say they can cast their cares on you, God, because you care for them. And so right now, God, we say incline your ear down. Hear the cries of your people because you said in your word when the righteous cry out, you will hear them and answer their cries. And so right now, God, we're trusting you. We're believing you, God, because your word is true. And God, I just ask that you continue to minister to our hearts. And those of us, God, who you're placing on our hearts to be a minister and be a light in our community, in our circles of influence, God, I just pray that you give us the boldness to stand up and represent you in a way that would draw others, not push them away, but draw others to you, God, because that's the command that your son gave us, that we are to be light and salt in the earth, God, so that we can have influence in our orbits and the places that we go and the people that we associate with, God. We are to be vessels of influence. Make us a vessel of influence today, God. And let our influence spread so that others will see you through us and want to come running. What must I do to be saved? And Father, we ask that you continue to bless each and every one of us. Touch our bodies, minds, soul, and spirit. Be concerned about whatever concerns us in these days and times that we're living in. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And let the church say amen. amen. Say amen again. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise if you will. Amen. amen. We're going to come now and prepare for our communion service this being the first Sunday. Uh, if you're here, you should have a communion element. If you don't have an element, just please raise your hand, and we'll make sure you get one if you don't have an element. If you do have an element, those of you who have used them before, they are a little tricky, so please make sure that you, at this time, make sure you separate them so you'll be able to open it uh, at the appropriate time. That's it's a two-part process. The little thin top piece, just push back. And it'll stand up, and all you got to do is just pull that back to expose the wafer, and then the bigger piece you can pull back and expose the juice. And so we ask that you kind of get that ready at this time, and we thank God for your participation. If you're at home, I pray that you have sanctified your home online, and you, you know, if you ain't got no juice, get you some water. If you ain't got no cracker, get you some bread. You know, it, it's a matter of your heart. The ritual is not that important. It's what's in your heart when you do it. So I don't think Jesus will hold you if you're doing this with water and a piece of bread. If your heart is right, he will accept it. Amen. 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 This time we got to read it. Holy Communion is observed as one of the most powerful symbols of faith. It commemorates the past event and also anticipates his future coming. Come to the sacred table that bears no other religious name besides the Lord's table. Come to the table, not because you must, but because you may. Come not to testify of your righteousness, but realizing that it is his righteousness that affords you the opportunity. Come as those that sat with him that night in the upper room. They were not perfect, but they were his chosen. 
chosen to thereafter render a service to mankind. Some because you love the Lord a little and want to sincerely love him more, desiring to be his true disciples. Come not because your goodness gives you a right to come, but because in your frailty and sin you stand in need of heaven's mercy and grace. Come because he loved you and gave himself for you. Lift up your hearts above your cares and fears. Let the bread and the cup be a sign of God's grace to you and a pledge of your love to the Lord Jesus Christ. Come and remember his words. As often as you do this, 